0: What do you do when you spend most of your life overweight with a lack of confidence, a fear of public speaking, and a bad habit of comparing yourself to others? Well, you do what today's guest did. I won't give away the secrets. It's coming up in this conversation on a brand new episode of the Motivational Firewood Radio show. Here we go. Welcome to the Motivational Firewood Radio Show, hosted by keynote speaker, author, and vision board mastery creator Steve Gamlin. We hope you enjoy today's episode. And here we are with a brand new episode of the Motivational Firewood Radio Show. Today's guest is Raj Subrameyer. Raj is a tech career strategist focusing on helping people to land their dream job and become successful leaders. He is passionate about guiding professionals to maximize their opportunities and discover this. I love this phrase, their zone of genius. Raj uses his decades of experience in the tech industry to research, speak, and write about how we can embrace technology and become full-on digital Citizens. He is a sought-after speaker at various conferences, and Raj has also been featured in numerous podcasts and publications, including, get this list, Entrepreneur, CEO World Magazine, Authority Magazine, Career Addict, Thrive Global, Addicted to Success, and The Good Men Project. He's also the author of the new book, Skyrocket Your Career, and Raj's areas of expertise include career advancement, leadership, motivation, productivity, and entrepreneurship and in his spare time if there is any he loves to travel and enjoys craft beer so with all that raj welcome to the motivational firewood
1: radio show super excited to be here thanks for having me
0: you're very welcome and it's so funny because i have this amazing network of connections out there and every once in a while one of them sends me a message and goes steve you gotta talk to this person and one of them recently reached out with your name And we started to communicate. We've had some off-air conversations. And I said, that person was so right. Raj and I have got to have a conversation here on the radio show. So uh, I've got to say the thing that I really appreciate about you, if I knew nothing else about you, from your intro, you're passionate about guiding professionals to maximize their opportunities. And I love this line. And discover their zone of genius. So I've got to ask, somewhere in your history, you found your own zone of genius, which led to us being here. What are some of the things that you went through to find that in your own life?
1: Yeah, that, I think that's a great question to set some context for your listeners. So I grew up in the southern part of India from a place called Chennai. And for people who do not know what where Chennai is, it's like in the southern part. And one of the five bigger cities in the in India, which uh, fuels the economy. So that's where I grew up. And I grew up in a family with an older brother and a really smart dad. My dad studied in scholarships like throughout his life. And then my brother was a genius. Like He has three masters and a PhD. And then there I was, the average Raj, who didn't do well in anything. You name it, sports, dating, academics. I was, an av- I was average in everything. And as you may know, in the Asian community, academics is pushed quite a bit. And then people start comparing you with other overachievers around you. And that's what happened uh, during my childhood where I was compared with my own brother and then other overachievers around me. And I started comparing myself with other people as well and tried so many different things to live up to people's expectations. But every time I tried doing that, I ended up getting disappointed because I could never reach to the level of uh, the expectations which people had. So all these uh, feelings of constantly trying to make people notice me, uh, trying to communicate, but people not taking me seriously, let me getting into like a shell. I became really shy. I didn't want to open up. Um, I had fear of being judged. Then I had anxiety, stress, depression. In fact, just talking to a girl would feel as if I'm going to get a nervous breakdown. So that was kind of my first 18 to 19 years of my life where, you know, no one ever thought anything big about me. And I thought that was my life. But then during my second year of my undergrad, I had a trigger event. Um, that's where the discovering your zone of genius thing comes into picture where, I still remember this moment vividly. I was in my study room and then all of a sudden my chest started hurting. It started pounding. And then the the pain started increasing minute by minute. And then I sat down and thought if I calmed down, it'll go away. But no, the pain, my chest started hurting at a, and beating at a rapid pace. And then the pain in my chest started moving towards my head. And then I was so stressed and overwhelmed. And the next thing I remember is like, cried continuously for two hours because what I realized at that moment when I had this uh, trigger event was um, I realized that all this while I was living a life uh, based on other people's opinions I was I was letting other people's opinions be my reality and I'd wasted 20 years of my life and that's when I decided man you know what screw this screw society I'm going to carve my own identity I'm going to strive for greatness I have certain skill sets, and I'm going to figure out what my life is about. And that's when that was the moment when the whole transitions uh, happened. And to cut kind a of long story short, from there, I listed down all the fears I wanted to conquer, like fear of being judged, fear of being ignored, and then fear of public speaking, right, and uh, fear of failure. And then I started writing down different strategies, which I'm going to implement to overcome those fears. And then for the past 15 years, I've been working on them. And I transformed my life from a shy introverted kid, earning a minimum salary into an international keynote speaker, author, and tech career strategist. And now I help other underdogs like me who are mainly in the tech space, who have all the skill sets, but do not believe themselves for multiple factors. And one of them usually is because society said, you know, they're not enough or they don't have the skills. And then I come and change it and take them out of the shell. So that's pretty much the whole kind of the tr- story about how I transition and why I'm doing what I'm doing today.
0: See, it's funny, you and I are so similar because I had, uh, my sister is the one who got the better grades. Uh, and I always, ah. I always used to joke and, and, and I do say it in a joking way because I do know that I have talents and, and abilities. I would always say, yeah, my sister got the brains and I get the really cool job. Uh, when I was on the radio for 10 years. And now I've been a a positivity and humorous speaker for the past 17 years and host a radio show that we're doing right now. And all of these things that I remember at the lowest point in my life, when I was starting to put it all together, you know, a few hitches along the way, I remember my sister telling me, I envy you. Now, at the time I just walked away from a radio career, was broke, had to move back in with family. And I said, what part of this do you envy as I'm sitting here in the ashes and she said what do you do for a living I said well I was just starting to become a speaker I was also starting to do stand-up comedy I said well I I tell stories and I help people to feel better and forget about some of their problems she says right she says I struggle to have my voice be heard in a room full of people I envy you for that the confidence and it's funny that we you know, when we try to live what everybody else thinks we should be doing, or we're striving to be like someone else, and we forget who we are for a moment, we can walk down some of those dark paths in in empty, you know, empty hallways. We could maybe do the thing, but it's not really who we are. But we just keep trying until we find that right thing. We just keep going until all of a sudden that door opens and there's a bright light behind it. We go, oh, this is who I'm supposed to be. This is my next step. This is my next door. Right.
1: And I find it hilarious. Based on your story, that's what usually happens. Once you transition, then people start coming to you again, saying, "How did this happen? How do you change your life?" I want, I want what you are having. As we speak, for example, it's hilarious because last week I was helping my brother negotiate a salary for his new job. My brother, who's who has three masters and a PhD, is taking advice from me because. I do this for a living now, tech career strategy, right? I know how to speak and how to negotiate salaries. And then I was able to increase the salary by $45,000, right? So the point is, um, it is funny how tables change. But again, before I was doing it for making people notice me and I wanted the fame and the money and the credibility. But then I've transitioned into, you know, making an impact in people's lives and a byproduct of it is you get the fame and the money but that's not the goal before it was the goal till about 2017 18 and then I had another trigger event which if one we can talk about later but that kind of changed my perception of okay what is actually important in life right and then I shifted my mindset to serve people and then that's when I got more joy in what I do and Currently, yeah, that's what I've been continuing to do for the past three years.
0: And here's what I love about your journey and my journey being so similar. We didn't start at the top of the mountain. I mean, we we started looking up, you know, setting a goal for whatever the top of the mountain might look like, feel like, sound like, smell like even. And you and I started from the bottom of the mountain where there's the rotted picnic tables, the parking lot, and smelling the porta-potties nearby. And we just started from there going up. And now that you coach people in the tech industry to help them find their jobs and find their zone of genius, but you set a record. And I'm going to let you say the number. Back in 2009, you set a personal record. Now you help other people to do this. But at the time, how many applications did you fill out to get one job?
1: So I, in 2008, applied for 1,293 jobs, one, two, nine, three jobs. And I got one job out of it. And that was not a full-time job, but it was an internship. And then for the next six months, I worked my ass off to prove to people that I can do the job. I can. And then uh, when I showed people I could do it, and then my life changed and, here we are talking but it's funny but I find this interesting for various reasons but to just to name a few one is this is to show that when you do the work consistently and even if you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel you show up every day and then you do the work and then you analyze and pivot and then keep doing the work till you get the results and I think that taught me a lot about myself and I think Everyone can learn from this experience to believe in the power of delayed gratification, where you don't get results immediately, but you still do the work, analyze it, then pivot, do the work, analyze it, pivot, and then finally things will happen. So that's why you should never give up. That's one. The second thing is when people approach me saying, Man, I applied for like four jobs and I haven't got any interview call, right? Then I said, Oh, okay. (laughs) Then I I then I don't tell them. To show off that I applied for 1,293 jobs, but I was saying that, hey, the more jobs you apply strategically, then increase the probability of getting an interview call, right? So to be realistic, I would definitely advise people to, if you're really searching for your next dream job, you should at least do 50 jobs per week and do it strategically. Of course, in my book, I talk about all the strategies and stuff, but the point is, Nothing is ad hoc. Everything is a strategy. Figure out what career options you want to apply for and then do 50 jobs per week. That's what I tell people. But yeah, it it is um, that whole experience of applying for 1290 jobs taught me a lot about myself, that I could overcome obstacles. And then also taught me that when you do the work, show up every day, even when you don't feel like it, which I had a number of days like that, Uh, you know, things happen.
0: And that's another reason. And it's so funny. We're just like unfolding this beautiful flower here. Uh, when I started my radio career, um, I applied for a number of stations. I got an internship and I interned for three months. And then like my dad said, look, you got your foot in the door. He goes, don't worry that they're not paying you yet. He goes, you work hard. You show up every day and you make yourself so memorable and important and valuable that they don't dare let you back out that door. And sure enough, they hired me three months later. So that's, that's amazing. Now, here's another similarity we both have when we were younger, we didn't have the greatest self-confidence. We weren't comfortable with who we were with, you know, maybe our physical health or our looks or our voices. And all that. And you've been on quite a journey with all of those parts of your life as well. So why don't you just share some of the highlights of some of the transformative experiences. And well, first off, decisions followed by action, because that's how we make change. Uh, you're not lucky like I'm not lucky. We made this stuff happen. So why don't you share some of the biggest shifts of your life and how yeah. this happened?
1: And I do agree with you. Uh, there's a quote, luck favors the brave. And it's so true. Um, yes, you need luck. I, I don't doubt that. But if you don't show up and do the work, then you have lesser chances of getting lucky. That's what I would tell people. But in terms of some of the highlights worth mentioning, which were instrumental in my transformation, was going back to my uh story. When I had the trigger event, I wrote down the different fears I wanted to overcome. And some of them was um fear of public speaking. And then... Uh, another one was uh, fear of failure, right? So let's just take those two, for example. So let's talk about fear of public speaking. Until 2011, for the first uh, 30 years of my life, every alternate day, I used to think about my fear of speaking in front of people, it could be just three, four people, I would still be nervous. Even in meetings, when in talking with people, I used to be nervous in terms of, okay, what are they going to think about me? Am I I succinctly uh, conveying my message? So all those fears used to haunt me till 2011. And then one morning, I remember this moment, again, really clearly, because I saw this email for a software conference, which was happening out of state. And usually I would delete those emails as spam emails. But for some reason, at that moment, this particular email, I just kept staring at it for, staring at it for 10 minutes. Because I thought the email was talking to me, saying, Raj, you've always been talking about fear of public speaking and, you know, fear of also being judged. So why don't you try something new? So in the 10 minutes I was looking at this email, I said, you know what? All this while I've been talking about overcoming my fears and I've never done anything related to my public speaking. So I'm just going to go to this conference. At, in, at 2011, like you, I, uh, I was kind of broke and I didn't have any money because I had a lot of student loans and stuff. But I swiped my credit card for $3,000 when I didn't have any money and then went to this conference because no one was ready to sponsor me. At this conference, I started... Connecting with people, I felt more uh, confident because it was out of state and no one is going to judge me. That is number one. Number two was I started attending different talks, different sessions at the conference. And then I saw some really good speakers, took notes, and I saw really bad speakers as well. And it was when I saw these bad speakers giving sessions when I had this epiphany that, man, All this while I've been talking about fear of public speaking, but what better way than actually becoming a speaker to overcome this fear? So that's when I had this (laughs) eureka moment. And then I started connecting with each and every speaker at the conference and then started taking notes of how do they write a proposal? How do they prepare? How do they come up with topics? And so on and so forth. And to cut a long story short, so I come back with all these details in 2012 And in 2012, I started speaking in small, small meetup groups because I felt more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then in 2013, after seven months and 23 trial runs, I gave my first conference talk and it was a huge hit. And then people started talking about this, you know, funny Indian dude, he's giving really great talks. You should check him out. And then one thing led to another. Now in uh, 2021, I'm giving two TEDx talks, and then I'm talking to you in you know, a really popular podcast and radio stations. And that moment, that decision in 2011 to, 2011 to swipe the $3,000 on my credit card, that was a life-changing moment for me, which ended up making me an international keynote speaker. Right. So moral of the story, if you really want to get out of your shell, uh, I mean, if you want change. You need to be ready to get out of your comfort zone. There's this beauty in getting uncomfortable to get comfortable. That's why I said, tell people you need to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. So if you want change, try something new, try something different, try something which is not in your comfort zone. And worst case scenario that could happen is, it, it may not work out and you may not like it. It's okay. Then come back to point A and then try something new. Then go to point B. Come back to point A, try something new, go to point C. So that's how you start discovering opportunities and discovering a lot of things about yourself. But anyways, that is the fear of public speaking. I think, man, I still, uh, I'm so glad. And that, then I would say I'm lucky that I made that decision. But, I, but it was always behind my back. In, behind in my like in my head to actually make the change, right? So that was my one of my life changing moments. Hundred percent, I would say.
0: And something you said in there is is actually something that helped me out in the early days. And now when I coach people in uh, who are interested in speaking, matter of fact, I had a call earlier today from somebody who said, "Steve, I want to be as comfortable and confident as you." You said you went to a conference where nobody knew you, so you could kind of you know create your own superhero version of Raj. In that moment and yep. be confident, even if you're just wearing this little flimsy you know, suit of armor that day, it was something and it helped you to realize that when you thought that way, when you went to point B in your head of that version of you, you were able to then create it because you got to be around other people who already had it and you could ask them questions and you could take actions and make decisions and all of that but it doesn't mean that we've 100% conquered the fear. It just means that we know how to get ourselves beyond things. It doesn't make us superhuman. It just makes us super confident humans because people ask me, Oh my gosh, Steve, don't you ever get nervous before you get on stage? And I say, well, I only get nervous every time.
1: And then (laughs) I talk myself
0: through it and I get up there and I, whether it's a conversation I had in the room that day or something I recently learned or something funny I heard, I get up there and I just make a good connection right off the bat in the first 30 to 60 seconds. And I tell people when I get that, when I feel that love, when I feel that connection with people, Oh, it's on. And, and I've got right. my, you know, my, my confident version of myself is on the rest of that time. And I always try to reach the back room, the back row of people. Because that's where the people are who might be in the shadows, who might need that confidence and who might need that lesson the most. So you're you're never just playing for yourself. You're, You're playing to help other people. And now in your career, that's what you get to do. Because you know, there's people out there who aren't in their zone of genius yet, especially with all the changes in the world over the past couple of years. These people need hope. They need heroes. And you, meaning you and you, the listener right now, have the opportunity to be a hero every single day. To at least one person, so be your best on the way out the door every day.
1: And change starts within you. There's the saying that you cannot uh, you can make the pond, you can take, make the horse come to a pond, but you cannot make it drink. It's so people who come to me for career help and you know life help and uh one transformation, I always have a first interview, like call, like screening call, because I want to know whether they how bad they want change they, they are they really ready to change because there are some people who want change but they're not ready to do the work because when you do the work things get messy but again it's part of the discovery it's part of the journey and that's where that's how you need to train your mind a lot of people just if, you, if they face one obstacle they let it define who they are and then they stop proceeding further but you have to start embracing these obstacles saying oh okay I, I hit a roadblock. Okay, this is bad. Okay, let me acknowledge it. Let me feel through it. Okay, this is really shitty. Okay, so w- what can I do to get out of it, right? And wh- wh- what did I do wrong? What can I do differently? Okay, now let's do something differently. I'm not saying that you have to be a robot and not acknowledge or recognize failures and obstacles and, you know, feel bad about it. You should. That's part of being human, uh, you should be vulnerable, you should feel bad, you know, but then compartmentalize it. Okay, you have did the feeling part, okay, now continue the doing part and pivot. And that's what people need to remember from your story and from my story, which I just shared, I'm still an average guy, I consider myself an average guy, I wasn't born like, uh, like an Ed Thomas Alva Edison, or, you know, uh, I again smart is a very subjective word. So I hate using the word smart, but the point is I didn't come out with talents inbuilt inside me, but I had to cultivate it by again, going back to the same thing, getting uncomfortable. So remember, the, remember that folks, if you really want change, you can start one small step at a time. You don't have to you know, make drastic changes immediately. That's the number one mistake people make. Start small, start simple. And that's what you need to remember.
0: Yeah, and so many people go to these big events. You know, I always call them, and I and I use the double air quotes because I'm rolling my eyes for impact as well. For those who can't see right now, this is called sarcasm. They go to these big guru three day events halfway around the world, and they shell out ten, twenty thousand dollars, and they're going to come home and change their whole life all at once. And then they get home and they're all alone again. In, in all the programs they bought still have the plastic on them. Well, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. Or they say, I'm going to change my entire life today. And then they go out in the driveway and their car doesn't start. And they let that ruin their entire day.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's the difference between people who want to become legends mm-hmm. and who become legends. I think that's the line. You go, you get motivated. That's awesome. Okay. You come back. Do You take action on it. The people who take action become legends. The people who do not take actions, they still think about being legends, but they're in their same boat, sailing in the same boat of uh, ordinary lifestyle or whatever lifestyle you are already in, which is making you unhappy, right? So I, I totally agree that if... If you go somewhere, if you do something, you need to have a call to action. You need to do something about it. At least there's no point spending five, 10 K, 20 K or whatever that amount may be to motivate you. You have to continue the motivation. And that could be by coming up with an action plan, getting an accountability partner. It could be your trusted friend. It could be someone who cares about you. It could be someone who has gone through a journey before. It could be a coach who could help you out and guide you to implement those strategies, right? There's so many different ways to implement the things you learn to continue that motivation and fuel your growth as well. So that is definitely something people need to think about. If you go to a conference, what are you going to do about it? Why are you going to a conference? You need. I hate ad hoc stuff. Everything is a strategy. I think life is a whole strategy. The point is you need to have a plan. You need to have a deadline. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. If you cannot answer that, then go back to the drawing board and try to pivot and try to see what else can give you that answer. And I think that's something you need to remember. And life is too short. If COVID has taught us one thing, life can change in an instant. And we take a lot of things for granted from grocery shopping to a lot of things we took for granted, including me. Do you know how many people didn't wake up today this morning mm. and we are here l- lucky now i say lucky to be you know talking and woken up this morning everything is a gift folks and we just take a lot of stuff uh you know for granted and once you start thinking deep into these kind of things thinking about death and then you know you have more um you, you have you know your mind shifts a little bit to actually do something
0: yeah, and it, it exactly what you just said. I think it's woke, It's helped a lot of people to wake up and realize there's more to life. You know, people say, I need work-life balance. Well, work is important. The, the work that I do with the visualization work and the vision boards, we use a standard life wheel. And you can Google it online and see some of the basic versions out there. People say work-life. Well, life is made up of Your finances, your physical health, your emotional well-being, your relationships, your spirituality, if your faith is important to you, your ethics and morals, your connection with the world in a real way. It's all these things. And so many people are now saying, oh, my gosh, there's more to life than this. And they're understanding it's not just what you get, you know, the status you get with your job or whatever. I always believed have your goals, have your career goals, your financial goals, your health goals as well. But remember, it's who you become along the way and you have to address every single one of these areas because they help you optimize all of the others. You know, you you can take away one of those things, or or not give it attention. It's going to hurt all of the others. Say, for example, your physical health. If you don't get enough sleep at night, you're not going to show up at your job very well. When you consistently don't show up at your job very well, you're going to make less money or be out of a job. And when you don't have any money anymore, your relationships are going to suffer. And then you're going to get angry. You're going to blame God. Your spirituality and faith suffer. And then you go into a hole, and your connection suffers. So all of these things people have to understand. And and the reason I'm saying this is because you had. Uh, your, your physical being yourself, you had to go under or undergo a transformation a couple of years ago, because that part of your life was holding you down, holding you back, keeping you mentally and and maybe even spiritually in a place where it wasn't serving you. So why don't you explain you know, the, the transformation you underwent in the impact it had for you in your life?
1: Definitely. So, um, in terms of mental and physical health transformation, which is really, really important, and that's what we're talking about. So till January, till December 31st, 2015, I I was a really big kid, and I had a lot of uh, health issues, where uh, even if I just walked like 100 feet, I used to gasp for breath. If I just walked two, uh, two, st- uh, two floors of stairs, then... You know, I used to gasp for breath, and then um, I had really bad eating habits where if I go to go have a burrito, I'll have two burritos. if I go to a subway I'll have like two subs and that is because of my childhood trauma where I used food as a coping mechanism. I had emotional eating problem, and I still uh, you know working through it it's a work in progress, but I was just tired of it because the clothes didn't fit me, and I was really in a bad place so on January first two thousand sixteen. I decided that, you know what, this is the next thing I want to conquer, which is my physical and mental health. And I've never paid attention to it. And I really, it is time and I need to do that because I was under heavy medication for my anxiety, for my depression, for my stress. So January 1st, 2016, I started a whole routine. And then in six months, I lost 50 pounds. Uh, Again, I know for the UK audience, you can do the conversion, but yeah, I lost uh, 50 pounds in six months. And I hate artificial stuff. So I didn't do any surgery. I didn't do any artificial thing. It was just tracking my food, number one. Number two was reading about nutrition. I started reading books about food, nutrition, which directly has an uh, impact on your mental health, which we'll talk about in a second. And the third thing was working out. I, used to, I started playing basketball three times a week started going for running and then my body started reacting saying dude you're doing something crazy i'm not able to handle this what are you doing right my body started saying because it's not used to me not overeating and when i just started eating normal where instead of two burritos i started having only one burrito right and then automatically my body started listening to me so that was a transformation so that was the physical health but i still thought you know what I'm still under anxiety pills and medication. And uh, I want to start reading books about mental health. Like, how do I bring my mental health under control? How do I be less stressed in life? So from uh, June, I would say, from June of 2016, for four months, I went on this journey of self-exploration where for four months, I didn't watch TV, didn't do anything except for reading 30 books, and I listened to 150 podcasts in four months. And that whole journey taught me a lot about mindfulness, meditation, which which I all thought was woo-woo stuff. When I say woo-woo stuff, not backed by science stuff. And that's what I thought. And then once I got into this mindfulness space, I started looking at the world with a different lens, a lens of gratitude and forgiveness and kindness, which I didn't do before. I started appreciating the little things in life because I started observing a lot of things around me, which I was oblivious to till, this, till that point. And yeah, so combination of workout and my physical transition and then getting into the mindfulness space really, really helped me to be highly productive for number one. And number two, get my stress and anxiety under control. Even every day in the morning, I do meditation. And I've done that for the past three, four years, right? And I use an app. I used uh, an app called Headspace. And there's another app called Calm, C-A-L-M, Calm. Both are really, really good. You have guided meditation. And then someone walks you through different things you need to do and really, really gets you some mental focus. And uh, especially in the tech space, 60% of the workforce suffer burnout. And most of them do not know they're going through a burnout. Mm -hmm. And that's because their mental health is at stake and they're not paying attention to it. Right. So that's why it's really, really important to figure out your mental health and physical situation when you start doing work, because it is directly proportional to the productivity and how much you can get out of the given time you have in terms of your work and deliverables. So, Definitely, I would highly advise people to think about that. And um, there's a lot of books out there, and this this great book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, he talks about how to have time box sessions of uh, cognitively demanding of doing cognitively demanding tasks right so basically blocking your calendar to focus on one particular thing it helps you be productive and also helps to get more focus and in, indirectly mental health gets stabilized as well but again there's so many different ways you could do it but just to summarize yes your physical and mental health are directly proportional to everything because you can have all the money you want but if you die when you're 30 then there's no point of it right so that's what I tell people and that's why when clients come to me who are usually mid to senior level folks VPs of engineering CTOs of engineering they say why are you getting into the health and productivity and those kind of aspects I just need career help then I make them understand like what you were saying, there are saying they're different buckets you have the health wealth personal family and career buckets mm-hmm. if you all your focus in the career bucket then all other buckets is going to suffer which is going to pull you down from the goals of your career bucket that's why we really need to get into the into into deep into the details about okay how do you live your life and then i want to make sure you know you're not sleeping only two hours and trying to apply for jobs instead you need to sleep at least for six to seven hours and then chunk your time and then uh, apply for jobs in those particular time frames right so Yeah, everything is intertwined, interconnected. So mental, physical health, career, money, you know, you just need to find what the balance is for you. Sometimes there'll be seasons where the career bucket has more focus than the family bucket, which is fine as long as you realize it. The problem is people do not realize it. And sometimes you may need to concentrate on your family bucket, which means your career bucket is going to you know, have lesser focus, which is fine. Again, you need to realize it. And that's why all these buckets are important for your growth.
0: And you've also done, you mentioned a couple of books already that were very helpful for you. You've done something that I really appreciate about people who've been through a journey. You've written your own book to help other people who might be somewhere on the mountain, even if it's way down the bottom with the you know, parking lot in the port parties, potties Even if they're just getting started or they just fell there because they haven't been living their life maybe not in the best way or they're using the best formula uh, so far. So why don't you explain a little bit about your book and maybe some of the pains or, or some of the ways people can look at themselves in the mirror and say, you know, I think this might be for me.
1: Yeah. So one of the things I noticed was there was no book which – actually covers the entire job life cycle. So what do I mean by that? As part of your job, there's so many different steps which happens. First is you need to figure out what jobs you want to do. Then you have to figure out what your ideal job could be. Then you need to figure out how to apply for those jobs strategically. Then you get the interview calls. How do you ace interviews? And then once you get it, once you get the job, you have to negotiate your salary. So how do you do salary negotiations? Okay. Now I got my salary. Now I got the job. My first day at work, what do I do? How do I be successful in it, right? Okay, now I'm successful, but now how do I set myself miles apart from the competition? How do I make people notice me because of my work? That is the last part. So my book covers the entire job life cycle and the chapters are divided just like how I describe it. So it takes a person from looking for jobs till the point where they can exponentially increase their growth in their current job or in a future job, right? And I filled up all these phases with different strategies which people can immediately follow. Because this is the thing. Currently, if you see people are anxious about their job security, they, they feel stuck in their career. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and some people have been in the receiving end of mass layoffs. And finally, you have some sections of the people who want to advance in their career But they're afraid to do so because of the fear of the unknowns. And I was in the exact situation in 2008, as we described where I applied for 1,293 jobs. So I get it. I know what feelings people go through. And I share all these strategies which I've implemented in the past 15 years, which will help you find your dream job, be successful, successful in it, and set you miles apart from the competition. So that's what the book is about. And it, it uh, the examples would have a lot of tech job related examples, but the strategies apply to any job you want. You could be in sales, marketing, nursing, whatever that may be. That just like the mind dump. Uh, I didn't describe the mind dump exercise, but the point is, I have different exercises which are really really simple. But the point is, it irrespective of your career options or the domain you're in, you can still use those strategies. So that's, that's what the book is about. And I wrote the book because uh, in March of 2020, when COVID really hit the United States and you know there were shutdowns, people started reaching out to me on LinkedIn saying, hey, I just got laid off. I have a family to support and I really need your help. So right. I started helping people for free. And then for the entire month of March, I'd helped about 30, 35 people and out of, 50, out of that 15 to 20 people started getting new jobs, getting interview calls because of the strategies which I mentioned, that's when I thought, huh, seems like a lot of people need this help and it is working. Why not I put all these strategies in a book? And that's how I wrote the book as well. But yeah, if you want more information about the book, you could go to skyrocketyourcareerbook.com. And there you can download the first chapter for free and you yourself can decide whether it's the right book for you, even before buying the book. And I also have a lot of free resources uh, to help you in your job search, to do what is called the mind dump exercise. You'll see what it is if you go to the website. But yeah, that's pretty much the story about the book and what the book actually covers as well. And it's only 99 pages. I know people are so busy with their lives. We, they don't have time, including me. I don't have time to read 350, 400 page books. So there's mm-hmm. only 99 pages and you can literally even skip to the exact chapter you want. And then you could just start from there as well.
0: Yep. And, and I'm in that same boat. I tell people I've published four books so far and I said, I will never write a 400 page book because I don't read 400 page books and I've got a new one I'm working on as well. I know it's going to be less than 120 pages. Somebody already said, Steve, what's your new book going to be? I said, less than 120 pages. <laughs> so I'm
1: working yeah, on that uh, now as well. In the current day and age, people live in the Instagram world where they need content out of the TikTok world where people mm-hmm. need content within like 30 seconds. If you cannot explain what you want to say within 30 seconds, then they just skip you yeah. and it's fine. Because they have really short retention span right now. That's why I, I believe, personally, my point of view would be, if you're going to write books, chunk it up into different topics so that people can skip topics and make it smaller, make it concise, right? And that's why my book, actually the subtitle, so the book is called Skyrocket Your Career, but the subtitle is called The No Bullshit Approach to Find Your Dream Job, Be Successful in It, and Transform into a Rockstar. So, There's no bullshit in the book because I really give you the strategies, worksheets, templates. Literally, you could start using that right now in your current job, right? That's what I wanted to give people. I wanted to do something impactful which they could immediately follow. So there's lesser fluff and then more strategies. And that's what I believe in. I think books should be like that. Of course, not all books because it's based on the genre. If it's a biography, then you cannot just give strategies. People want to hear stories, right? But if you say this is a career advancement book, which is going to help you, that means people are going to expect some strategies to help them advance in their career as well.
0: Yeah. And, and that's my, my, been my philosophy since back in my radio days, my comedy days, my speaking career hit them fast, hit them hard, leave them wanting more. And that's why I don't do two hour radio shows. You know, we usually keep it to about this length. So as we do wrap this up, Raj, first off, thank you so much for being a part of the show. But second, how can people reach out to you, whether it be on social media or your website to learn more
1: about you? So there are two ways where people can reach out to me. First one is LinkedIn. I live on LinkedIn. And uh, so you, uh, you can always ping me on LinkedIn. And I love meeting new people. So definitely ping me on LinkedIn and then make sure you follow me because every day, I have content going out about job search, about motivation, about productivity, and those kind of topics. So I have content every single day on LinkedIn. So it'll really be helpful for you as well. So that's the first way. Mm-hmm. Second way is you could go to my website, which is rajsubra.com, which is R A J S U B R A.com. There you're going to find my life's work, my writings. Uh, videos about how I help people and find pretty much every single information about me and if you are struggling in your career or you want to you know just want to brainstorm something with me you can just schedule a call with me of of course for free and then I will be more than glad to you know uh, try to give you some tips to help you out as well but yeah those are the two ways people can definitely reach me and of course my book you can just find it on the book website, which is skyrocketyourcareerbook.com.
0: Sounds great. Raj, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. And I hope people have been enjoying it. Go back, listen to it again, pull out a pen and paper and listen to some of the wisdom nuggets and bombs that Raj has been dropping throughout this episode. So we look forward to catching you all again very soon for another conversation. But Raj, thank you so much for being a part of the show.
1: Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening. For more information on how you can create a more vivid, focused future with the Vision Board Mastery Program, or to invite Steve to be part of your next event, please visit MotivationalFirewood.com.